The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. So friends, will you join me in Jesus' camp as it comes to you from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured right before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What did you see? What did you hear? What do you think of Jesus after seeing him transfigure right before your eyes? Peter is fascinating to me in this story. In fact, the last time I got to preach on the transfiguration, I dressed up as Peter and did my sermon from what I imagined would be his perspective. My favorite line from that sermon was, I bet you didn't think Peter would be so handsome and so Guatemalan looking. Yet, as I revisit this narrative, I cannot help but wonder what is running in Peter's mind. The passage we read begins with six days later. So who is Peter and what happens six days before? So let me give you some context on Peter. Last week, Pastor Scott introduced you to a different disciple, the tax collector, someone who would have been on most people's deplorable bucket list. And Jesus asks him to follow him and become a disciple. The tax collector has this who me kind of reaction. But just like the tax collector, Jesus has a habit of choosing the who me kind of people. The first thing to know about Peter is that he fishes for a living. Now this is a noble occupation to have, but this also means that he probably failed out of rabbi school. Now, what do I mean by this? Back then, young Jewish boys would go to school to learn the Hebrews' laws and scriptures. And if the teachers and rabbis thought they had what it would take to go on to the next level, they would put him there. And if not, they would say, you are doing such a good job, but it might be time for you to go back to your family trade. The goal of education was to eventually become a disciple of a rabbi. 
The rabbis would only pick the brightest and the best to become their disciples. And once a rabbi had chosen their disciple, they would say to that person, come and follow me. So Peter is a fisherman. So he, yes, he did not make the cut on becoming a disciple of a rabbi. And then as he's fishing, this man named Jesus, this rabbi, sees him fishing and he tells him the words that everybody wanted to hear from a rabbi. Follow me. So Peter does. He immediately drops his net and starts to follow this rabbi. Peter has now been traveling and following Jesus for some time. And six days before this transfiguration, Jesus is with his disciples and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And they respond by saying that some people said that he was Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah, a prophet of some form. But then he turns to Peter. He takes him to the side and he asks him, but Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter responds by saying, you are the Messiah. And Jesus asks him to not reveal who he is to anybody else. Again, putting myself in Peter's shoes, I think he must feel like he's on top of the world. He answered the question correctly in some sense. He said the right words, you are the Messiah. But he had a misconception of what the Messiah would be. You see, they had been waiting for a Messiah, someone to rescue them, someone to take down Rome in military force and put Israel back into position. I think Peter thought Jesus would be that type of Messiah, someone to make Israel great again. Peter is ready to pick up his sword and fight. And Jesus tells him that once he gets to Jerusalem, he will endure great suffering that Jesus would be killed and then raised from the dead. Now, Peter doesn't understand this. And he essentially says to Jesus, not on my watch. Peter is pumped, ready with allegiance to what he thinks is a militaristic Messiah. And Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Peter answers the question of who Jesus is with the right words. You are the Messiah. But Peter is still trying to figure out who Jesus actually is. So six days later, he goes to Jesus' camp with Jesus and James and John. They retreat to the mountainside and they see Jesus transfigure in front of their eyes and his clothes become dazzling white. They see Jesus speak with Elijah and Moses and Peter asks if he can build three shelters there, three dwelling places. While seeing something so holy, Peter wants to simply take shelter there. And I get that. When I was at camp in the midst of incredible existential faith experiences, the last thing I wanted to do was to go home. I just wanted to stay at camp. And I think so does Peter. He wants to build three dwelling places and stay there with the holy. And as he asks this question about dwelling places, a voice from the heavens comes and it terrifies the three disciples. The voice says to them, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. 
in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that they were so scared that they fall to the ground. And Jesus comes over and touches them ever so gently, like a parent touches a frightened child. And then they pick up their heads, and Elijah and Moses are gone. So they begin to head down the mountainside. Remember, Peter is still trying to figure out who the heck Jesus is. He thought that Jesus might be this militaristic Messiah that they wanted. And now he sees this teacher hanging out with the prophets and a divine voice from the heavens says, this is my son, the beloved. And Peter must be wondering, okay, I thought Jesus might be this, the Messiah to come kick the Romans out. But after what I saw today, I think Jesus might be more than human. What did the voice mean by, this is my son, the beloved? Peter is confused. Peter still has not figured out who Jesus is. I actually think that we can relate a lot to Peter and the disciples. Like them, many of us are trying to figure out who Jesus is. Perhaps we can say the right words, but do we really know who Jesus the Christ is? We can quote the creeds and say that we know Jesus is God's only son, crucified, dead, buried, raised, ascended into heaven. But who really is Jesus? I bet if you ask around who is Jesus, you will get various answers. The militaristic Jesus is a real image for many people. I think it's the wrong image, but it's out there. Some people believe it. In fact, I recently heard a message in which the pastor was supporting the insurrection at the Capitol, claiming that Jesus will return soon. He said he's not going to come in a Mr. Rogers sweater-wearing kind of way, but that Jesus was going to come like Rambo. For some, Jesus is simply a friend, a buddy. Now, I, I don't mind this image. I like to think that Jesus is someone who I would hang out with. A friend who is willing to have my back through the most challenging parts of my life and rejoice with me in celebrations. I do think that Jesus would be my friend. For some, Jesus is a liberator. One who does cleanse us of our spiritual sins and wants to liberate the oppressed from the systemic sins around them. I personally really like Jesus, the liberator. Yet like Peter, we may have different images of who Jesus is, and we are still journeying to find out more about Jesus. Yet for Peter to know more about the Christ, he had to come down the mountain. Peter had to come down the mountain. He could not stay at Jesus' camp. He had to take the walk down witness Jesus' work, and participate in it with him. Peter sees Jesus continue to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and protect the outcast. Peter hears Jesus' confusing parables. Peter has his feet washed by his leader right before Jesus is arrested and then killed. Peter experiences defeat and messes up while denying being a follower of Jesus. And Peter also sees the risen Christ in full glory. 
Again, we have a variety of different images and ideas of who Jesus is. But will those images and ideas be influenced by walking down the mountain with Jesus? People can claim that Jesus is militaristic Jesus, or buddy Jesus, or Jesus the liberator. Yet we will not know who Jesus is if we do not take the time to get to know Jesus. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had an image or a judgment about someone else before getting to know them? Now, I'm going to imagine that many of you are shaking your head yes, but then you get to know them, and your judgment might have been a bit off. One of the best TV shows I've seen during the pandemic is a show called Ted Lasso. Now, fair warning, there is some suggestive language and material in the show. Yet Ted Lasso is an American football coach that gets hired to coach an English Premier League soccer team. It's a funny and endearing show with a lovable hero in Ted Lasso. Lasso is wrong for the job. He doesn't know anything about soccer. At one point, he yells at the referee, explain to me how that is offsides. No, seriously, I need you to explain it to me because I don't know what offsides is yet. Now the players, the fan, the press, and everyone has an idea or image of who Ted Lasso is. And that changes once they get to know him. Once they get to know him, they see him for who he is, a lovable, peppy fellow from Kansas who deeply cares about people and community. Friends, like Peter, walk down the mountain and continue to get to know Jesus. How do you do that? How do you get to know Jesus? You read the scriptures, read the gospels, and do as Jesus does. The first might sound obvious, but let's be honest. Many of us sometimes just take the preacher's words or other people's words about who Jesus is. Discover it for yourselves. I met a guy this summer who, who is not a Christian, and he told me that he began to read the Holy Scriptures as ammunition to argue against his legalistic Christian parents-in-law. So he started to read the Bible, and I laughed when he told me this. But I was not surprised when he said that he was amazed at how much he actually liked Jesus. He was encouraged by Jesus' compassion, especially to the downtrodden. He also told me he liked how much Jesus was at parties. Now, this was not the Jesus that his parents-in-law told him about. Read the scriptures. Read the gospels. Most of Lent, many of the sermons will be based on the gospel of Mark. I encourage you to read that, whether you've never picked up the Bible or have been reading the scriptures since your elementary school days. As you continue to walk down the mountain, follow Jesus and do what he does in the scriptures. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ's goodness and mercy in you and through you. In our Courageous Conversation videos, we have asked our guests what the kingdom of God on earth looks like to them. And almost every video incorporates an image or a feeling of participating in the kingdom of God of doing the good work that Jesus does by feeding people, sheltering people, visiting the prisoner, in short, loving people. Friends, Scripture says that we are created in the image of God. 
And it's a beautiful scene when we love our fellow neighbors without an agenda. And we look them in the eye and they transfigure into Jesus. Friends, do you want to get to know Jesus? Discover the image of God in your neighbor, in your friends, in your family. Discover the image of God in your enemies. Family, as adopted children of God, Jesus is our sibling that we long to know. We in the Presbyterian Church do have creeds that many of us follow and agree. And those words become more alive when we take the time to walk down the mountain with Christ. Friends, in this Celtic prayer, may you be blessed on your way down the mountain. May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you on the road. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands stretch out your hands to serve. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart open your hearts to love. May you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet. And may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. Amen.